And we're back. Another edition Stripe Show podcast. I mixed it up on you a little bit this week. Usually we break down the upcoming event on the PGA Tour on a Tuesday, but I moved it to Wednesday this week. Froggy, of course, had Sam Ryder on after his T7 out at Zozo. Always enjoy listening to Sam Ryder, but now it's Wednesday. It's time to look ahead. And the reason I moved it to Wednesday, because I was trying to get this very special guest on the Stripe Show podcast. Of course, Stripe Show presented by Encore Golf. If you haven't tried a Vero X1 golf ball yet, you need to go try. Go to EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton. Get yourself one today. Our guest, uh, he's a guy I used to work with three years ago at the PGA Tour. We had a show that we did every single week. I would come on. I would host it. It was called PGA Tour Fantasy Golf Show presented by ServPro. His name is Rob Bolton, and he would educate me every single week back then, and he's going to do it again this week. How you doing, Rob? Hey, Travis. Those those were fun shows uh, on a manic Tuesday to sit <laughs> down and, and, and really kind of dive in with you. That, those were good times. I, yeah. I was sad to see that show come and go so quickly, but it's great to hear your voice and talk with you three years later. This is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on. I've been meaning to do this. I follow your stuff. You, uh, you keep me up to date on who's in, who's out and you need to follow Rob at uh, Rob Bolton golf on Twitter. He's a great follow. He's uh, very dialed in on what's happening each week on the PGA tour. And he's very good at breaking down the tournaments, the players, the course fits, all of those things. We had a lot of success and fun, as you mentioned, on the Fantasy Golf Show. And, of course, Fantasy Golf and Gambling, Rob, since then, three years ago, I got to ask you, it's pretty cool to see how uh, how big of a business this is becoming. It is. You know, it's three years. You know, I was thinking about that when, when you reached out uh, because 18 was was sort of a – strange year for me personally my son was getting older uh thinking about graduating from high school and getting involved and my life was changing and then um you know starting to hear whispers of betting and it made me think back to 2011 and 12 when dfs was starting to emerge and um couldn't play living in illinois at that time and um didn't know if i could there was no integrity program yet but but um you know, talking with others in the industry, good friends. You know, I was working in Rotor World. We felt something. Mm-hmm. Was, the ground was trembling, and we didn't know it was DFS. And when we started to learn what it was and, and some of the upstarts, which are no longer around, uh, started, I used to refer to it as um, weekly fantasy or weekly salary leagues, <laughs> which is really <laughs> what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I don't know how this is fantasy, but I don't care. The audience is, is uh, multiplying, and that's awesome. So let's see what we can do for it and how we can modify or adapt to this audience. And strokes gained was, you know, was really gaining popularity mm-hmm. and, and not just popularity, but also usage and, and validity. And, um, you know, what Mark Brody's, uh, has done. And in fact, I'm rereading his book, every show about stroke counts again now because of the timing of where we are with betting. So it's, there's the cyclical nature of it. And there's also the linear, linear nature of the industry. Um, fantasy and betting is no longer, are no longer two, you know, two separate entities Mm -hmm. yet. They still are depending on what you're doing. So we have to cater to everything. And I just love the challenge and I love learning and I love connecting with the community. Yeah, it's well said. There's, um, there's been a lot of growth over the last three years. And of course the PGA tour is embracing it and it's going to be amazing to see where it goes as it's legalized, uh, in more States. And, Let's help our audience out here because this, you know, again, usually I do this on a Tuesday and and this particular day of the podcast has grown leaps and bounds really uh, over the last uh, three to four months. And uh, well, probably do. I'd like to think because we're giving them good advice as we will once again here this week. Um, But yeah, they like it. And there's lots of different ways to do it, whether it's just your straight betting, your win tickets, top twenties, et cetera, head to heads, or you get into the fantasy game. We'll give you our thoughts here. As we break down the field, it's called the Butterfield Bermuda Championship. It's in Bermuda, of course, on Bermuda grass, Port Royal <laughs> Golf Course, 6,800 yards, par 71. Let me say that again, Rob, 6,800 yards, 
par 71s. Brian Gay is the defending champion. He wins this thing. They might just go ahead and put his name on this tournament as he's uh, been quite dominant here. He was T3rd back in 2019 when Brendan Todd won it. What do you know about this place? You don't have to bomb it, right? Brian Gay, Brendan Todd, they're not bombers. They'll keep in front of them and they'll make some putts. Tell our viewers a little bit about uh, what we can expect here at Port Royal. You know, I, I in a sense, if I was going to, you know, gun to the head, I would think this is where you take the range to the course. Um, you know, shot makers, you know, the guys that just hit it pure. And that's what you have to do, um, not only on a course that's short, because, because everybody's going to be hitting shorter clubs off the tee, mm-hmm. um, but, but in the wind. And it's going to howl like crazy in the opening round, especially. And then, uh, and then pretty standard winds, moderate around 15 miles per hour on the weekend. But of course, you never know with the gusts. It's, uh, it's nothing to protect. Um, uh, well, wind is the only protection for the course. So uh, rough is only uh, two inches. You know, it's, it's fine. You know, the, green, the greens are large enough and there's some undulation. But, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, as long as you can strike your ball, you're going to have a good week uh, relative to the field. Par might get you on one round or potentially two, but all that matters, as you know, and everyone listening, uh, is uh, that you have the fewest strokes at the end of the tournament. A uh, lot of perks this week. The winner gets an invite to the Masters because it's a fully uh, allocated event for FedEx Cup points, 500 of the winner. Um, obviously, you get a nice big head start on, on everything for the season, and then the two-year winner's exemption, all the other perks that go with it, invite to Kapalua. Uh, so it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Um, but you don't have to be able to bomb it, and uh, you just got to come in sharp. I think I think what I like are guys who come in uh, experience matters and being a veteran obviously has mattered on this course, but come in with the confidence in your irons and you should be able to have a good chance. Yeah. Maybe a little wedge work as well. Like, you know, the, the some of these, these holes, you've got uh, some approaches probably in the hundred to 125 range. So a good wedge player, I think of Brian Gay. Um, and then of course making some putts and, you know, if the wind blows, which it's going to on Thursday, as you mentioned. I saw some of the pictures from today out there. My goodness. I mean, it's like blowing these guys yeah. off the golf course. But if they get, you know, these sustained wins, then, you know, we're going to see something probably in the low teens. But if it doesn't, and you kind of open up a birdie fest, then we're probably going to get oh, yeah. uh, into the low 20s like we've seen as of late, and particularly out there in Las Vegas. But yeah, the winner gets you into the Masters. Let's get right into it here. Uh, the field, you know, not the sexiest uh, in the world, but um, got guys there. How many right now? Because be, they've been they've been dropping. Where are we at right now going into the tournament? What's the number? I was just about to say that there are 127 guys in the field that might uh, might oppose that sexy comment. You know, <laughs> <laughs> 127 as we're speaking. All right, 127. Let's get into it, DraftKings. We're going to give you our thoughts here um, as we go through the different layers of pricing. Uh, we're not going to tell you exactly how we're going to fill out our books and the guys that we're betting on. Eh, we might, we might give you a little bit of a hint, at least I will, but um, give you our thoughts on uh, the guys that we're looking at, who we like, who we don't like on this particular golf course. And of course on the top end, when you look at DraftKings, Rob, the, the favorites, uh, if you will, Matthew Fitzpatrick coming off his win over there in Europe. He's your top guy at 11,000 Christian Bezedenhut, which I think this golf course Screams Bezedenhut at 10-7. Mito Pereira, the young Italian player at 10-5. There's Patrick Reed, 10-4. Seamus Power, 10,200. So Fitzpatrick, Bezedenhut, Pereira, Reed, Power. Where would you go there? What, uh, what, what kind of name or two would you pick out of the, that group there? Well, given that, uh, you know, obviously it depends on, on, uh, on, the, on the entirety of the construct of, of your roster, but, uh, um, Given the construct of this field, and it's so top-heavy, and that that portion of the top-heavy is so it it's, it doesn't scream chalk, does right. it? No. I mean, so we're talking about relative value. I, I I would say number one, personal preference. You like a guy, play him. You love the Zudenhout, play him. Yeah. Because one of my philosophies is you're not going to learn anything until you're until you're attached emotionally to your choices. Even if you lose, 
you, you got to log that for the next time. And guess what? You may hit this. And guess what? He does make sense a big, a lot this week. Uh So uh, I'm not going to talk you out of any of those guys. I would say though, however, uh, which is interesting, by the way, on an aside, the top six of my power rankings, all are not Americans. Uh Uh, And Fitzpatrick's coming off a bogey free uh, closer at Valderrama, difficult course uh, for different reasons at only six under for the week. So he's already, and he's rested as well. So he's just coming off a, a spot where he's had to dig deep grind and, and he succeeded why he's number one in the power ranking. So I would say most of the time when I'm advising in DFS, avoid the, the, the most expensive player this week, I'd say, I think he's worth it, man, especially with, since the others, the others in that price range at vicinity uh, aren't that much cheaper. Uh, I, I would lead heavily into him and he's feeling good. And you're talking about Fitzpatrick, who's your number one guy, right? On your power ratings. Right. right. I was looking at it. You got Danny Willett, two, Zayden Hutt, three, and Guido, four, and then Seamus Power, five. Yeah, Fitzpatrick, you know, when you, when you think of Fitzpatrick, he's not going to overpower you off the tee, uh, but he's going to keep it in front of him and he can putt, you know? And so this seems like a good spot for him. Zayden Hutt, I would probably make the argument, might be the best putter in the field. Um, great short game terrific putter, not terrific off the tee, but I think he'll make up for that um, with his iron game. I love Mito Pereira. I can't wait to watch him play um, this week where Bezadenhoff probably his putter is his strength. Pereira, that's probably his weakness, but the kid can really go off the tee in iron game. I think of that group, the one that I'm the most intrigued by is Patrick Reed. You know, we've seen some rust from him. Where's his game at? He certainly um, has the best resume of this group coming in. Does Patrick Reed just show up and be like, all right, guys got my A game back and just blitz this field. So he's certainly one to look at some decent odds to win. I think of this group though, my favorites, Bezidna. I'm a fan of him. I think this is a good spot for him. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to agree. You can usually fade up top, but I think considering this field, because there's not much to look at as you start getting down into the bottom um, I think you've got to start some cards here with one or two of, the, of these guys and do some different things. Um, let's go to the 9,000. Let me push here. back a little bit on Fitzpatrick just right. because you, you brought up a couple of things I think are worthy. And, and I think listeners are, uh, might be considering, or at least should know. Number one, uh, Bazudin who, Bazudin how, pardon me. I, I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll mess that up throughout his entire career. Um, it's going to be uh, heavily owned because he's no, he hasn't, he hasn't cost us anything. Yeah. So he's still a shiny new toy. And, and we love that. He's a PGA Tour first-time member this year. We're familiar with him a little bit. Uh, and enough to know that he deserves that adoration you give him. Um, but there's a part of me that wonders, all right, um, I'm going to invest in him, but I'm not going to you know, load up all of my lineups. I'm going to do multiples with the guy because of that reason. It, it'll only be then for defensive measures, and I think the Sharks are going to know that. I, I pivot back to Fitzpatrick for something he said this week. And, you know, a lot of these guys aren't in the Masters. Well, Fitzpatrick will be in the Masters. So mm-hmm. he's chasing the FedEx Cup. Points. It's not about the, I mean, it's about the win, but it's not about the perk. It's different. And he's, again, the win, you know, this last start, almost a coincidence in that context. Um, and he, he probably will be under owned compared to his value on the board. Uh, and again, for the reasons I mentioned earlier, because people might think, and again, I don't normally advise the most expensive in a DFS. We just, so we just so be, happen to be talking in a week where I do that. Yep. So, uh, this is, this is not me, you know, being a, being a homer or whatnot. This yeah. is me looking at, you know, the, the, the components of this week specifically. So I think that's what you're weighing when we're talking about this. Weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and Seamus power of the top group is the only one that's played here. he, T thirty seven and twenty one T thirty one and we got an Englishman, an Englishman, a South African, an Irishman, and a Chilean. <laughs> and I'm 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 omitting Migliozzi. I'm looking at the other five as guys who probably grew up playing a lot in the wind. Yeah, right. Yeah. And and so that's the that's that muscle memory I wrote about in a different place. Patrick Reed, different style of player, but he's that grinder you love in the short game, and he's a lot better off the tee than I think it gets credit. 
All right, let's move on here. 9,000, little group here. Hayden Buckley, a guy we're starting to see that name a little bit more here in the fall series, 9,900. Matthias Schwab, 97. Uh, Chad Ramey, 95. Ramey will be on the podcast next week. Adam Hadwin, 94. Danny Willett, 93. He's number two uh, in your power rankings. And then uh, Taylor Pendriff, 91. Patrick Rogers at at 9,000. So according to your power rankings, uh, you're big on Danny Willett uh, this week. And who else here? I also see in this group, Taylor Pendrith made your top 15. The power hitter um, can do a lot off the tee. He's a nice putter. So Willett and Pendrith, two guys, low 9,000s. It looks like you're leaning towards a bit. Yeah, for me, that's pretty simple. I mean, you start with Willett. Ramey's nice. Uh, I, I Accuracy off the tee will, will serve him well. Yeah. Uh, I would think he was fourth on the KFT last season in fairways hit. Um, and, and so he's one of my, uh, uh, my noted draws in the fantasy insider that uh, published on Tuesday because of that, um, has already had off to a good start. So, uh, pressure's off perform. He can just go out and do what, do what he does. Um, uh, and I like the fact that he's older. I mean, that's, that's the other underlying current that some of those other guys you mentioned, uh, don't have, and that's the experience. A lot, you know, Buckley and and uh, and um, you know, I know Pendrith's young, but I mean, his form is there; it's mm-hmm. strong enough in this field specifically to have my faith. So, if it comes down to Pendrith and Willett, you know, I'm going Willett. Yeah, and Pendrith's a Canadian now. Keep in mind, don't forget about your, your Canadians here in this. So, great point. Yeah, and and Adam had one right. He he fits there. Um, yeah, Ramey's interesting. You know, he um, he finished 14th at the Shriners. And he was, uh, let's see, 63rd at Sanderson Farms, missed a cut at Fortnite. Yeah, he, he, he's interesting. You know, he's a guy that um, when you look at him, like so many players, you kind of feel like, okay, he might be better. He's probably above average off the tee. His approach game looks solid. Can he do enough with a putter, right? How many times do you say that about a player on the PGA Tour? And, and it seems like Ramey um, could fit into that mold. Uh, Hayden Buckley, another guy that we're starting to see a little bit more kind of a similar style, I would say in this, in this field here, probably top tier ish off the tee and iron game. And then probably in the middle when it comes to around the green and putting, I think in this group, Buckley is one of those sexy picks uh, of the field. And I think he's going to be glossier than he deserves uh, just because of that inexperience. This really is. You know, some of these guys that come right off the KFT and they're blazing hot and, and they figured out really quickly, like Cameron Young has done. Cameron Young has withdrawn from this event, but, um, you know, comes to mind uh, already with a podium finish and, and Buckley and um, and Ramey already, you know, have made a lot of noise. Um, so that makes sense just in that context. Um, Ramey, I mean, statistically, you're not going to find anybody else who did more last season on that combined KFT. Uh, and he's already proven a little bit. So my yep. faith is a little bit stronger than him. And again, because he's older than it is in Buckley. Uh, so um, I, I think this is an opportunity to learn about Buckley yeah. and then see how this wind will affect that guy specifically. I think that's fair. I, I'm leaning on Ramey here, I think, um, in the 9,000s. It's hard to look past Willett, certainly, as well. I, I think those are my two guys um, as I look Well, Ramey's a great the- pivot because Willett will be the most owned. Yeah. You know, I think that's how that'll play out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And and I, I think it's if I had to... contrarian, you know. You know, Rogers is just... Patrick Rogers. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I just... Um, we have the same reaction. We just both sigh, kind of. <laughs> Let's move on to the 8,000s. <laughs> Speaking of a guy who has cost us, go on. <laughs> I, I, you know, Patrick Rogers. You play long enough, right? Off the tee, I would say I would put him in the top 10 in this field. Um, around the green, putting, I would put him in the top 15 in this field. His iron game, um, I would say middle of the pack, but he just doesn't, I don't know. Like Patrick Rogers, is it just me or is he just kind of doesn't get enough out of his game, right? He's just, he just can't get off the, that fringe 125 number. Um, It just seems like he should be better, you know, just like Patrick Rogers should be like finishing, you know, 47th 
um, in the FedEx cup. That's, I don't know. I just can't quite wrap my arms around it. You watch him. He's a wonderful driver. He's beautiful around the greens, terrific putter. You know, like it's like, and then it's like, what? He missed the cut again. And he's had a nice career, right? And yeah. he had the pedigree. We all know that, but he's sort of a different cat. And yeah. I, I dig that as a fan. Uh, he hasn't won yet on the PGA tour. We know that. Um, but he doesn't even like, he doesn't even care. And he's lacking that. It, it, at least, you know, from yeah. my perspective, he's lacking that, um, that gear. Uh, he may yeah. have to, you know, but there are other guys who have never won that had that gear. Steve Marino comes to mind, right? I mean, just, a could be red hot, but he just never got over the hump and had five, five runner finishes in his career. I mean, he may not be done yet. I mean, but he's made a nice life for himself and Rogers is doing that, but he's just a different dude. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I've, I've spoken a lot about, the nappy factor over the years, uh, new father and, and Rogers is the antithesis of that, which mm. was really interesting because he had a, he had a child at the very end of last year, 2020, and he lost his car mm-hmm. That full, fully exempt status, got it back at the final. So he's, he's fully exempt again, but, and he's been playing better in recent months. And it's almost like, you know, he was kind of going out. He's really busy. He played, he played the most right out of the, out of the three month shutdown. I don't think he missed his start the entire season at the end of 1920. Um, and then the baby was born and then, you know, he's played some more, he's been busy, but he didn't find the form again. So in my opinion, it's kind of like Patrick Rogers 2.0. If you accept that, see where he's going to go from here. Um, but with the wind blowing and the way he shapes up, he's actually a fade for me. This week. Yeah, I agree. And, he, and he's usually a fade for me. <laughs> Like I just, I just yeah. want to, you know, he's one of those guys. Tell me something you don't know, Rob. I just kind of, um, yeah, I just kind of go away um, with him. And I was looking at his, cause he's played here. Um, he's played here both, both years. Yeah. He was T59 last year and then he missed the cut uh, the year before. You know, but, you, but you bring up such a great point, Travis, about the arc of his career. He should be finishing the top 50 FedEx Cup every single year. That's what I feel you like. You know, I think about a guy that springs to mind is Taylor Gooch, who did, did not, come out of college with a similar pedigree and Gooch is kind of having the career that Rogers should be having. Mm-hmm. And Rogers is a few years older and has a few more years and seasons in the bank. But Gooch is on that upward trajectory where you see him breaking through before Rogers, yeah. you know, um, but Gooch is going about it in a different way. And he's much more consistent throughout his bag. Uh, I mean, really throughout the bag, he's not playing this week. I wish he was, he'd be in the power. Rank. Yeah. But that's the kind of comp I think about when Rogers, you know, like this young guy in his twenties, got it all together. Seems seems to have all the skills and the tools, but there's there's that there's that element that's missing. And, and Gooch seems to have it. Not sure exactly what it is, but he has something that Rogers doesn't. Yep. And as a fan, I'm fine with that for Rogers. But as an investor, I'm not. Yep. All right, eight thousand. There's Thomas Detry, eighty nine. Um, Sahith Figala at eighty eight. Interesting name. Uh, Guidi Guido uh, Migliozzi. We saw him at the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm guy that um it'll be fun to watch here i think this week 87 scott stallings 86 i see him in your power rankings uh there's danny mccarthy i also see him 85 steven yeager 84 garrick higo burned me last week 8300 joseph brantlett 82 armor 81 and then david lipsky at 8000 i could play lipsky here i think lipsky at 8000 is is worth a look. What do you think? Well, there's a lot of, a lot of terrific choices. And now it's going to come down to, you know, what's, what's the rest of your roster looking like? Yeah. Because if, if you're going chalk, let's say you're me and you go Fitzpatrick, will it, here's an opportunity where Lipsky slides in really nice. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to disagree with you. He's number nine on my power rankings, but, but for all the other reasons, you know, some of these other guys, um, uh, don't stack up in my opinion. Now, Migliosi is there, but, and he's higher in the power rankings with four or something, uh, four. Um, but, uh, uh, but I don't mind that at all because Lipsky, he's, um, um, there's a balance to him that I prefer. There's more of a commodity, uh, component to that guy right now. Uh, whereas Migliosi is you swing for the fence. And, um, and if you're building a team, I don't want that even though he's four in the power rankings, he's not in my fantasy lineup for the PGA Tour's website just because I still like the promise to potentially win, but he's more of that guy um, who will win or miss the cut instead of, you know, put that top 25 in the board, which 
Obviously, he's very handy in the end. Yeah. Well, I think with Lipsky, um, the reason I I I start him and, and highlighted him was he's a good wedge player, you know, and I think that's going to go a long ways here. Is he, he's a good par four player, and particularly shorter par fours, and I think when you look at that wedge game, 100 yards, um, I would definitely put him in that top 20 range when it comes to that. Um, you know, I think I know your listeners are savvy and sophisticated, but anybody who isn't listening and, and isn't familiar with Lipsky, I mean, he's a seasoned veteran worldwide. Mm, he happens yeah. to be an American. He happens to be a rookie in a PGA tour, but, uh, he, he isn't like all the other rookies. He's not a, he's not a Hayden Buckley. He's not a Chad frame. He's not a Cameron. He, he's David Lipsky. And, uh, the sooner you get to know him, the sooner he's going to pay off a lot. Like when I'm not going to put him in the same lane as Patrick Cantley, but when Patrick Cantley returned from his personal and, uh, physical challenges, he was, he was in the seven thousands, eight thousands in DFS. And the, the message back then years ago now, but the message then was play him every single time you have an opportunity to do that because those values are going to be long gone very quickly. Lipsky strikes me as that kind of guy where you say he's in the eight thousands in this field, that's that he's on sale. Go yeah. Go. Do you feel like you are constantly overshooting greens or coming up short because you choose the wrong club? Well, if that's the case today is your lucky day, because I'm proud to announce my brand new partnership with the boys over at pinned golf. Their brand new ACE range finder is amazing. And it's only $199. I've been using it for a couple weeks now and I was blown away with the quality it has a slope technology pin locked vibration technology so you know exactly when you are locked onto your target tour lever accuracy and best of all it is powered by a usb charge so you can forget about those little batteries every other rangefinder makes you buy one 45 minute charge lasts you 50 plus rounds i love it our friends over at pin golf are hooking up all of our listeners with 25 dollars off and free shipping when you use code stripe show that's code stripe show i'm telling you for 175 dollars, you simply cannot beat the ace range finder head out over to pingolf.com and get yourself the ace and get dialed in okay. yeah i, no, I agree no, I, I totally agree yeah he's gonna be he's sliding into some of my groups uh for sure along like you said with a ramey um, you know, I, Ryan armor, he's played well here. He's got a couple top tens. You know, I've been a guy that's been, has been really good to me is Danny McCarthy. I, I tend to hit Danny McCarthy a lot and, and have a pretty good sense this, this time of year too. Yeah. I have a good sense for the places that he plays well and he's played very well here. Uh, I like Danny McCarthy in that 80 let's plays see. up in, in lighter fields. That's yeah. the MO on him. Yeah. And you tend to see that with the great putters, don't you? You really do, especially mm. on, on shorter courses where it shines. He doesn't have to be hitting the three irons. I mean, he can hit the fives and he can hit the wedges and, and hit them close and then sink the putts on, on what are still relatively unfamiliar greens. Right. Yeah, I, I like Dan McCarthy. And I think this is a good spot for him, clearly. I mean, Brian Gay's winning. Brennan Todd's winning. Like, doesn't <laughs> yeah. just, doesn't Danny McCarthy's name just go with those two? <laughs> number 13 in the power rankings, you know I mean? And you could, you could argue that he deserves to be higher. Uh, um, but uh, you know, I wouldn't want to indict some of these other guys that are in there. That fact that he's in there in the first place is, is enough of an endorsement. Um, uh, I, I, I rode McCarthy throughout the fall last year and he delivered, yeah. uh, and he, and he helped lead me to my, to my little league's uh, fantasy title on the website. Mm. Um, uh, but you, you, you know, this is the time I think to, to keep it simple, light field, um, fall, um, already played well once this fall. What else do you need to know? I mean, if you find anything that, that lines up analytically awesome, but even if you didn't, uh, some of these broad strokes will get, get the job done too. Need look at off the tee here real quick before we kind of move down in the eight thousands. One of the things I, like to give the the listeners here strokes gain off the tee in the eight thousands. Your best drivers in the eight thousands. I think you know Bramlett is a very good driver of the ball. Uh, Garrick Higo is a very good driver of the ball, though Higo looked terrible last week. And and you know from Japan now he's flying over to Bermuda, and all of a sudden he's going to turn this thing around. My goodness, I don't think so. I think I'll I'll pass on Higo. 
Um, but those you know, are, I always I find it interesting when a guy who doesn't have to play uh, shows, yeah. since, especially since he's exempt for two seasons. It's almost like he's so desperate to lock into something. And he didn't do it last week in a no-cut event. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's young, got nothing else to do. I get it. Uh, might as well, you know, fly around the world and play golf for a living. I, that's that's dig it. But yeah, um, but yeah, we gotta we gotta leave him alone. Yeah, I think you gotta leave him alone here. You know, I think when you look at your wedge players, I think Stallings probably is your best wedge player in the eight thousands. Um, certainly right there. And you know, I think I, I mentioned Lipsky. I think he's he's got to be right there in the eight thousands. Best thing about Scott Stallings is that he's going to scare the form uh, gamers and, and betters because he's so up and down. Yeah, you, you almost need to log a couple of seasons of monitoring these guys to understand what it's like for him. So when you're in a in a DFS situation, I like Stallings in an aggressive lineup. That's where he's probably going to pay off. Yeah, uh, if you if you build if you use him to build around some of the chalk, you're probably going to be disappointed. You know, so I, it's almost like you have to go in with a certain angle at it, so you your expectations are aligned according with that guy, accordingly with that guy. Number twelve in the power ranking. So, and again, we're hitting a lot of these guys. Yep. that's the kind of field we have this week. But um, that's my approach with Scott Stallings. Yeah, I think in the eight thousands, um, you know, I like Lipsky. Uh, I think I, I like Danny McCarthy, and I think my third would be D, would be uh, Thomas Dietrich. Um, good putter. Uh, you know, good, uh, pretty solid wedge player. You got three par threes, long par threes, over 200 yeah. here. And he plays those very well, too. So I like Dietrich. I think he would be my, probably my third uh, in the 8,000s as we throw in there. All right, into the sevens. Whew. Got some things to look at here. My goodness. Seven Bermuda, go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hubbard, I think Marcus, you know, Mark Hubbard, 79, I think is is worth a look for sure. Um. Let me just read this off here. I'll, I'll take us down to 76. Give me a name that you like. So we got Hubbard and Hardy at 79. Peter Uline, 78. Nick Watney, 78. Russell Knox will get some play at 77. Lucas Herbert, we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Really interesting conversation. 7,700. There's Smalley. Alex Smalley, 76. Dylan Fratelli, 76. Any of those names? Would you stop me there? Any of those that I've mentioned thus far in the seventh? Yeah, I mean, I always have, you know, a take on everybody. Um, I really want to love Uline like we want to love Rogers, but we just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, we just can't. So, uh, but I pivot, or I default, I should say, to Russell Knox again in the power rankings. Sounds like a shameless plug, but that's where he is, you know. And then Hubbard, he's fourteen, uh, is is one of my sleepers. Um, okay, I like the experience with Knox. Hubbard, a little more pressure to perform. I, I, I mean, nothing to lose, everything to gain as well. But, but um, even with these guys in conditional status, you know, these opportunities are far and few between. Uh, I think Hubbard's overpriced a lot. Like I think Ryan Armour is overpriced based on course history. Mm. Um, whereas Knox is undervalued. Um, again, a Scott in the wind. Okay, yeah. thank you. You know, I'll say that. I'll say thank you to that and move on. Yeah, yeah. I see Russell a lot. I, I teach at Pablo Creek. He's out there all the time. Mm-hmm. Saw him before he left. Um, yeah, he's going to, you know, he's going to keep the ball in play and he's a good wedge player. Right. And the question is, is right. can he get that putter going, uh, you know, with Russell and it's just get that putter warmed up the Jacksonville dolphin, former university of Jacksonville. So I mentioned, um, McCarthy, you know, these unfamiliar greens, I, my theory, uh, and it's, you know, I could, I could share quite a bit of evidence about this over time, but the fact that these greens still are relatively unfamiliar favor the ball strikers because the putters, they, they don't, they don't, they don't have all the experience. Now we're in the third year. A lot of these guys are back for their third start. Remember the pandemic kept everybody uh, eligible for another year. Or so a lot of the rookies from two seasons ago got two starts on this thing before they had to worry about their card. Um, and that's just a unique situation. Um, whereas Knox, again, the TD green game is there. Um, I, I, you know, the experience to me, though, again, in this particular situation, um, uh, Travis, I should say that, you know, I default more or I lean more to being a conservative investor because it's golf. Yeah. <laughs> but I do understand and I can play aggressively if necessary, but then it depends. You know, what is that going to look like and how are we going to approach that? And we'll, we'll have a conversation about that. Um, but in, 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 again, depending on how you're building that lineup, 
you know, Knox again is that safer play. Yep. Um, Hubbard a little more aggressive. Yeah. Well, Hubbard can get the ball everywhere off the tee. <laughs> I mean, he can. I love that guy. Know. You know, and he's cost me too, but. It's like, I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me too much. Yeah. Or well, Russell, I guess the expectations are lower, which doesn't hurt. Russell T16 last year, T11 and the year before. So, yeah. you know, he's played right. well. Speaking of, of experience, um, moving on here, 7,500. Hank Lebiota, he's played well here. T16, T3. Kiradak Afi Barnrat, if you dare, at, at 7,500. He finished tied for 11th last year. Austin Eckrote, I've gotten to know him. Nice young man. Um, good wedge player. Um, we'll see in the wind here. Probably fade from me. Nick Taylor, 74. Malnati and Grayson Sig at 74. Let me throw some 73s at you here. Brandon Heggie, Aaron Rye, Lee Hodges, Matthew Naismith. Then we get to 72. Harry Hall, interesting name. Um, Jason Duffner, 72. Graham McDowell, 72. Sepp Straka, 72. Anybody... Anybody in there? Oh. You're just like, man, stop! This dude's gonna make it. What do you? <laughs> I mean, you got Lebiota. Like, are you are you are you a buyer of Lebiota? I mean, he he just he's he's played some great golf. Grouping. Well, he's he's really struggled since his dad was ill, and I don't know if that's the reason. Yeah. Uh, whether he lost his mojo, but uh, uh, I'm fading him uh, this week. Um, I think the value there, man, is is take a flyer on Sig. This guy's red hot. Does nothing coming out of the tour, and if you wanna. If, if you're not like personally, I would, I would probably lean more on, uh, I mean, I mean, when I, when I looked at the weather, the first guy that came to mind was Duffer, but I've been doing this way too long. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, that's the guy he always relied on when the wind blew was yeah. Duffer, but he's, he's not, he's, you know, not the same Duffer. So McDowell is, is kind of interesting. Um, but, uh, but, but Harry Hall's in the power rankings, number 11. And I mean, so that would be my pick. Uh, but to be safer, I don't know, or aggressive. I don't know if it's as aggressive as Harry Hall, but it, it's definitely in that lane uh, uh, is is Sig um, because of the kind of um, season he just came off on the KFT. And he's, he's, this is that sort of random event where you might be able to, might be able to connect. Now I have not written about him. I have not endorsed him or faded him in any way for Bermuda, um, but uh, he's undervalued just mm-hmm. in a vacuum. Um, so uh, this is really a pick your poison, uh, yeah. uh, little segment of, of, uh, value you, you just laid out. <laughs> You're right. There's, How's that for- yeah, there's a, there's a lot to, there's a lot to chew on here. I, I think, um, good thing I was sitting on a couch, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, you know, Duffner, we just, we know too much, right. With Duffner, um, at, yeah. at 72. You know, I think now Graham McDowell won in 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 the wind yes. in Mayakoba yeah. years ago. I mean, and he still hits that low ball, but he he took some time off over the summer, um, uh, and and he's returned. So I, I would tiptoe into him in a conservative play. So for me, although I love Harry Hall, conservatively I like McDowell. Um, yeah, and then Hall. Yeah, I'm gonna play and then McDowell. Sick. So yeah, there's my three. I'm going to play McDowell. You, you've sold me on SIG. I think that's a very good, that's a very good offer there. I, I think Hubbard at 79 is probably my favorite. Um, I, I, I really like Marcus Hubbard here. As we get down in the lower ones, I really like Brian Stewart too at 71. I, I mean, and he hasn't played well here. Like, I don't, I don't understand why. And um, it just feels Stewart's like. A, a, like a poor man's Jerry Kelly for me always plays well in the tropics and on islands and in the wind. Um, but you're right. He has not played well here and he's coming in scuffling big time. Yeah. Um, so he sets up for me as a trap that way. Yeah. I mean, Sep T 21 last year, um, Ryan gay. I mean, you got, I mean, 7,100, right. You got a first and a third for crying out loud here. That's, that's crazy. He's 7,100, the defending champion. If for no other reason, that's why you're playing. Yeah. David Hearn, he's right there at 71. He's got a couple top tens mm-hmm. here. Um, same exact record as Ryan Armour in this event. T8s, both years, same scoring average, obviously. But Hearn, I think I, I think I endorsed him. Yes, I did. I endorsed him in the Fantasy Insider this week. Uh, very lightly. Yeah. <laughs> I've referenced him as my third of three draws. 
um, because you need to know about him. And I promised you would. Uh, and, and Hearn's sort of almost a default sleeper when he's in uh, or on. Um, but he's a year older. I, I wouldn't hate the pick. No. Yeah. Yeah, you start getting down here now into the sevens. Davis Riley's at 71, first time here. Vincent Whaley, seven. Bo Hogue, seven. Bo Hostler, seven. I mean, Hostler's interesting. Um, yeah, one of my sleepers. Yeah. Kramer Hickok, he's played well here. T8, T15. I think I... A lot like Leviota, though. Had a great hitting. You know, obviously yeah. lost in that playoff. The Traveler's done nothing since. Now he's coming from the Zozo, which at 29 years of age, I don't really care much about. But where's that form? Yeah, you know, and that's like, that's kind of one of those things we're learning about Hickok. Maybe he, it appears like it has for Gay, mm-hmm. but how how do you put faith in that? So again, how are you constructing your roster? And and if you're taking if you're taking a, a chance, then maybe Hickok belongs on that on that line because he's going to be underowned as a result for for the for the players who again the course history is going to probably neutralize that. I suppose I'm talking out loud. I'm thinking out loud here, yeah. but um, so I would not be on board with. I'm playing Hubbard. That's for sure. I'm playing Hubbard. I'm playing, uh, you know, if I don't play Brian Stewart, I'll, I'll kick myself. And I know your, your points are, are well taken, but I'm getting on. This is a good spot for him. Let's get something going, Hubbard. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll pass on, on Hickok as well. Definitely. You've got to play some Russell Knox at 77. You got to play Brian Gay. I mean, at 71, they're just begging you to, I mean, so yeah, those are, those are some of my guys there. I think in the, in the seven thousands. And then, you know, you start getting, let me add, if you, if you're on, if you're listening and you're on the fence yet about any of these guys, Hickok's a Texan, the wind blows a little bit in Texas. Probably one of the reasons why he's performed well in Bermuda, lighter field feels more confident in it um doesn't have to putt great you know stimping at 10 and a half at the, at the very at the most um that sets up for a for a younger guy like him um so if that helps break your tie there you go yeah well i get down in the six thousands there's uh <laughs> what you got there's, <laughs> there's there's a there's a lot to or don't you got right. to, to think about here um, can I sell you on Camille Vegas at 6,800? It depends on who else is on the board. That's it's always the, any, every question I answer almost always begins with it depends. The yeah. Answer, you know. Would um, you, let me ask you this. Would you yeah. rather have Vegas at 68, Vaughn Taylor at 68, or stand by? Chase Seifert at 66. BJ. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. 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 I, okay. I think, I think you got to look at, you got Adam Svensson. I, I think that's an interesting, I think 69. I mean, I could, I could roll with Adam here. One of my sleepers. Yeah. I could roll with Adam. Is Terri- he, is he one of your ball sleepers? Striker. Okay. Terrific ball strike. Yep. You know? Yep. And, um, didn't take, you know, he, he just, I mean, just didn't miss. He, he didn't have a good rookie season, what, three seasons back now. Um, and then he tore it up on the KFT, and this is where he belongs again. Uh, I would like to see him put those those lessons to work. Um, you know, we've seen it with so many other guys who went down and came back. Kevin Kisner is a great example. Not the same uh, kind of player by any means, but, um, you know, they needed that kick in the ass. Yeah. And uh, Svensson strikes me as that kind of profile got that um kind of canadian um the tenacity i mean we saw it in mike weir for all those years you know just no one's going to keep the guy down and Spencer's yeah. again a different type of player but uh one of the best td green in the field i agree yeah i think he's yeah he's definitely worth the play here um and i think von taylor i mean and guys won on the PGA Tour, sixty eight hundred. I think I think he's yeah. He's been battling injuries for for a lot of the year. Yeah. Uh, so if 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 I'm gonna play Taylor's gonna be in a matchup where he's gonna lose. Okay. That's that's how he sets up for me this week. Some of my if he even plays. I mean, he's been been withdrawing a lot early. So 
we're down to 127 as you and I are talking. Hold my breath. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Wu. Would you rather play? Would you rather play Brandon Wu or Seifert? Neither. <laughs> Wu. So, see, Wu has that that trajectory or the projected trajectory of, you know, that pedigree and the cachet of, of that younger, great player. And he's, he'll figure it out mm-hmm. because he, that they all do. Like, I mean, now, but he's starting his career. He is a PGA Tour member. He's a rookie. Norman Zhang never or has not yet earned his card. Right. Justin Saw has not earned his card, but he, all three of those guys are still in the same lane. Um, you could argue Wu is is ahead because Saw doesn't have a card, but Saw has actually put some things on the board on the PGA Tour and and other places. Whereas whereas Wu is still, I mean, it's just you know, it's just a matter of time. So it's almost unfair to compare. But but Zhang, I mean, of the three, Zhang probably has the, the the best collegiate career, and we don't even know where he is, right? I mean, it's you know, that's being dramatic, but yeah. the guy hasn't been able to perform under pressure and we're waiting for Wu to prove us something. So the optimist in me says, here's an opportunity. Go finally prove that you are Brandon Wu. You know? Yeah. So again, in an aggressive situation. Yeah. I like Wu over is it Seifert, Seifert? Um and I don't like Seifert, Seifert in any situation. Yeah. Um he's really struggled. Last name, sure. Max McGreevy. Did you he's right there sixty seven. Uh, Love that guy. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I mean, just because, again, he's a guy I want to rally around. Right. And this is an opportunity to do that at a very low price. Why, why not? Yeah. Do it smartly, of course. Yeah, I think, right? I, I think, I think Max is probably my, my last play in the 6,000s. He's at 6,700. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's going to give it to you in the approach game. Um, you know, I'm looking at this par three scoring here. He's very good there. Checks out. No, it's it's limited, very limited sample size. He looks like he's, I think, historically a good wedge player. Um, I think this could be an interesting spot for McGreevy. 6,700, sign and me again, up. again, you know, he, he comes out up. of the wind, yeah. right? Yeah. He's got that experience at a, at a younger age where it matters. Now, listen, I know that, you know, the, the, the cynics will say everybody has experience. Well, hey, <laughs> we talk about it for a reason. Yeah. Because it matters. Right. And it's applied uh, over time. Awesome. And we could talk forever on that. I mean, it's the Butterfield Bermuda Championship, people. If you're still with us right now, and you better have a smile on your face because we just we just tore that field apart and gave you thoughts on how would you how many say we're in the field? 120? 127. We probably touched and- 100 of them. <laughs> oh, easy. <laughs> I think we might have even hit 128 because we <laughs> mentioned, was, uh, I think I mentioned Cameron Young, right? Yeah. That was phenomenal. <laughs> you know, um, I, I want to go off script for the, for the, uh, for the, uh, curious listener, because okay. when we talk about DFS, a lot of times when I'm, um, advising, we start at the bottom bill. Um, you, you suddenly, when you look at start at the bottom, I know it's very common because the way the boards are constructed and, and presented on the platforms, it's always the highest price at the top. But when you start at the bottom and you don't know a lot about the players who have the lowest values, and then you start to know a little bit more about them over time, suddenly you're, you're not, you know, a McGreevy doesn't feel like a reach or a, a cipher, for example, in your situation, doesn't feel like a reach because you've, you, you have connected with him in some way and now you want to invest in him and then you start to climb the ladder and you don't want to let go of that investment. Right. You're, you're on board with it rather than figuring out how to fill out the lineup. So my, what I'm encouraging anyone who hasn't done this and would like to at least try it once, I think it's worth the experience. Start at the bottom and what you're going to find is by the time you fill up, fill up six, you're still going to have quite a bit of money that yep. you haven't used. Stop though. If, if, if you, if you like, obviously if you're stuck and like, or you, you still want to spend another 500 bucks, whatever the case is, go ahead. You know, I'm not going to stop you from doing anything, but 
the idea here is you don't need to start at the top and fill up the roster. You can start at the bottom and still fall short because it's golf. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the, you know, let's put it this way, the, 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 the the gamer, the, the better, whoever's investing, who spends, who who spends the entirety of the, of the salary doesn't always win. Start Mm -hmm. with that premise and then inject my, my approach and see what happens for you. I think over time, suddenly you're going to feel a lot more freedom and flexibility in your roster building. You're going to learn a lot more about the players uh, because you're forced to figure out who these guys are. And then down the road, it's going to pay off. I've, I've heard a lot of good stories from, 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 um, from gamers who have you know, communicated with me personally about that and, and it's paid off. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a secret sauce of any kind because you still got to get out there and perform and the players have to execute. Um, but I think you'll find more freedom and then it empowers you as, as you're, as you're, you know, spending your money. Yeah. That's well said. You're the best, Rob. We got to do this again. Right. I mean, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll just we'll contact the guys at the tour and be like, let's bring this, let's bring the show back. Just let Rob and I go for like an hour. <laughs> Rob Bolton, well, you know, I'm on board. So. Let's take a second to talk about the folks over at Encore Golf. Encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value, performance, and customer service. Their team in Buffalo, New York, is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter-weighted balls made with the high-density particles and proprietary nanotransitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated Elixir and low-compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.